Fort Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. This is Sports Charlotte, the podcast about sports in Charlotte. My name is Herb White, and with me today, as per usual, is Ashley Mahoney. Hello, Ashley. Hello. Welcome back. And as usual, well, not usual. It should be usual, but I have a cup of coffee. It's fabulous. And we have a fellow coffee connoisseur joining us, Coach Mike Jeffries of the Charlotte Independence. Welcome. You are a veteran. You've been here, done that, bought the t-shirt, know how this works. (laughs) Welcome back to Sports Charlotte. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Ashley. And I'm... Uh, appreciative of calling me a connoisseur, but I think that's a little bit uh, over the top. Yeah, thank you. Know, you, that. you know where to get the good stuff, and that's yeah. hey. Fair as, enough. As soon as we convince James, like put coffee in the press box, we'll be all set. Definitely <laughs> be all set. But in the meantime, in between time, it is almost time for preseason. We're Just, getting there. January twenty seventh is creeping up. It's what two weeks exactly. It's flying up, actually. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes it's almost like hit the brakes, hit the brakes, and you're like, no, we're. Just Going, we're going, we're going. So, this is obvious. Oh, sixth preseason with this club. Yes. Well, I guess five and a half. Five and a half. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Last season. So, five and a half general manager last season, general manager and head coach this season. What's yep. it like wearing both hats? Um, it's been busy. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. been it's been busy. Um, I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy. Um, both aspects of of the job I think um, when I was just a general manager there were times it was hard not to be you know directly involved with the team but uh, I had a focus in different areas so I think that was still kept a positive Um, with being both I think some of the uh, I'm, I'm not so good at the nitty-gritty details sometimes, uh, you know, the paperwork side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoy certainly the, you know, the, the ability to have discussions with, with incoming players, with players, and um, try, to build a, try to build a roster. Do you have that, do you ever find yourself arguing over, now if we sign this player, <laughs> what are we getting as opposed to, you know, and I guess in most sports, there's a GM who wears that hat. There's a coach mm-hmm. who wears that hat, and they thrash it out among themselves before making a decision on a on a player. I think uh, that's a great question, Herb. I think that one of the things that it, it is it changes a little bit. I have very good staff, and Dave Dixon and, and Nathan Walzer. Uh, I think it's important to have discussions and to lay it out there and try and get as many sort of. At least different viewpoints into into the conversation, and so that's one of the things I don't have those conversations with myself <laughs> all that often. But uh, but with the staff for sure, uh, I think that's still a very important uh, function, and it does just make you think about this. Um, and I do think there are the, the one area that that is an, it is an interesting conversation is there are de- sometimes different perspectives. You know, general manager. Sometimes uh, your your point of view might be more longer term in terms of players as coaches. Look, we all want to win tomorrow. We, you know, and and so try to balance that equation uh, a little bit as well. Let's talk a bit about staff. Obviously, you've been with the club since the get go. Inaugural head coach Jim McGinnis was here until June. Try bringing in a Gaelic football coach. If people, <laughs> if listeners, if you followed the club, you've heard it, watched it saw some more of it, and obviously there's a reason that you're back at the helm, and there's an immediate turnaround when you took back over in June, but let's talk a bit about staff this itineration. You mentioned Dave Dixon, Mm -hmm. longtime 
coach here in yep. Charlotte, played for the Eagles a number of years ago. And I was talking with him about, obviously, you know, names like Dustin Swinehart, for instance. He's yep. like, yeah, I, I'm old. Dustin was after me. <laughs> and I don't think Dave would mind me saying that. But what he accomplished here with, you know, Charlotte Soccer Academy and then as well with the Charlotte Eagles taking them to a PDL championship yep. in 2017 and then making the jump with Indy 11 and then coming back to Charlotte yep. and coaching here. What about him made you say, this is someone who I want as part of my staff? Oh, Dave's a great, A, he's a great person, mm-hmm. first of all. And I think that's, you know, when, when you're kind of working with guys day in, day out, you want to have somebody that's got great character, is going to be a, uh, not just a hard worker. I think that, you know, that goes without saying, um, but a positive guy, you know, that's, that's, keeps things upbeat um and then two he's a good soccer guy um he's you know a real student of the game he's obviously had success as you brought up um at different levels he has uh and one of his strengths you know another thing with him is one of his strengths is an area that you know certainly i would like to be better in terms of he's got a real grip on sort of young players on players throughout the country has um, a real good sense um as we start looking at, at developmental type guys of of guys that are strong guys, and that was one of the strengths of the Eagles when he was coaching them as a PDL guy. Um, that he always managed to find guys and bring in really good guys, guys that have you know now gone on and some have had very good uh, professional careers as well. So I, I think that's a strength of his. Um, and then he has a good good way with the guys. So um, he's easy to get along with. He's you know. Um, manages to kind of communicate well with them um, is a guy they can talk to as well so and his time with the Eagles he brought in a lot of you know NAA guys and yep. guys from not those traditionally you weren't seeing necessarily guys who played at you know ACC schools or things like that it was just working through the woodwork and a lot of kids actually coming from right down the street with a Garinger background and yep. just finding saying hey you're not necessarily on the major D1 radar, but you have what it takes to perhaps play professionally. Yes, he has a good eye for that, and I think he has good, yeah, obviously a good network. He talks to a lot of people, um, and I think that's a plus, but he also has a pretty good eye for young talent and um, where he thinks guys can go. Speaking of young talent, no one has been announced yet by the club. Correct. Officially. Correct. He's been announced officially. There Correct. are rumors. There may or may not have been some things that we've reported on. But talk to us about where things stand in terms of who signed, who's back. Last time we spoke, you said you had enough to play a game, <laughs> not enough to field two sides. Correct. We, we're not going to play 11-11 uh, okay. in training just yet. <laughs> so um, I, I think, look, I think we, we want to release it all on a sort of our timeline. Sorry to... To, to not give you the spoiler alert, spoiler alert, no but uh, but I think it's important. I think we want to you know find times when uh, it's a good time for us to get the word out and and kind of say, look, hey, the independence is excited about mm-hmm. 2020. Mm-hmm. This is what we've got going on, and I know there's been some other stuff going on in in soccer in the community as mm-hmm. well. Um, so um, we're progressing with the roster. Um, it's definitely still a work in progress. As I said, the, the two weeks before we start preseason yes. is getting a lot closer than I thought it would uh, a lot more quickly. When you talk about the developmental guys and bringing them in, is is that the fine balance that you find you have to strike between bringing in players to develop for down the road versus let's win them all right now kind of thing that all coaches 
will tell you that they want to be able to do. Yes, that that's a pretty accurate way of phrasing it. Um, so there's um, always a, a, a difficult balance when the club and, and we want to be a club that's successful and that wins, um, and and you know not only makes the playoffs but but can do well uh, in the playoffs and. There's always a balance a little bit with, you know, developing players. If you want to be a club that strictly develops players, you know, a lot of the two teams in our league or, or there's a couple other clubs, you know, then you're going to take young guys. You're going to put them on the field right away. You're going to see how, how they do. You're going to accept that they're going to, you know, maybe not be as strong right away as, as players that have more experience. Um, and then you're going to say, all right, two years down the road, either you're a huge player for us or we've moved you on somewhere else and, and been able to benefit from that Speaking of uh, financially. players, not sorry to cut you off, but Daniel Steedman leaving Virginia after two seasons, yep. obviously playing in the final collegiately just a couple of weeks ago, but leaving to go to Atlanta United. Yes. That, He's leaving a collegiate program to go play in the USL. From a coaching perspective, where do you stand on things like that? Is it a matter of no stay in finish out your degree, the game's still going to be there, or is it a matter of saying, no, here's your shot, and break in wherever you can? And obviously he played for you guys on an amateur yep. contract. Yes. Um, so it hurts to have Daniel going to Atlanta. There's no question about bit. that. They made, <laughs> they made it an interesting situation for him. Um, so I, I don't think I can give you a specific answer that, you know, is a... It's not uh, that applies to everybody. Yeah. I think there's certainly a push right now in this country um, to have players sign professionally younger. Daniel specifically was always a guy that was going to be he wanted to be a professional. He probably, if you when you ask him, and he was, when he was 17, 18, he would have wanted to sign the professional contract mm-hmm. then um, and skip college. I, I think you know in terms of soccer and development I can understand where a lot of players feel like that's the best route where obviously professional soccer mm-hmm. would tell you that that's and you know and with good reason would tell you that that's probably the best route to take that you're going to get you know games at, at a better level etc mm-hmm. but it's certainly not the right route for everybody um, and there's a lot of benefits uh, to going through school I think um, probably five six years ago um, going to college was a was almost a no-brainer choice and that a lot of the MLS players came through on. came yeah. through the college system and so forth. Mm-hmm. I think now you're seeing it's the bars <laughs> tilted a little bit more towards younger players mm-hmm. signing professional contracts, getting in the MLS system or getting in the professional system earlier um, and then moving up the ladder. And I, I think it's probably harder for players that have been in college four years. We'll compare them to another Huff alumnus and Elliot Panico just drafted by Nashville, played four years yep. obviously and I remember asking you know, 49ers coach Kevin Langan after you guys played them in a friendly yep. during you know that late early season for you guys but right before school was about to be out for them and he was about to replace Austin Pack. and yep. I just looked over and said who is this kid where yep. have you been hiding him you got this six foot five guy yep. who plays like Courtois where did he come from <laughs> it's like oh yeah that's Elliot and now obviously he's got the opportunity to play at the yep. next level when you look at someone like that versus a Daniel, and again, different scenarios, the only similarity perhaps is one, they're both from Charlotte, they're both went to Huff, things like that. But is that the kind of scenario where it's, okay, that track worked for him, maybe not necessarily for Daniel or players like Daniel? 
I would say that's correct. Yes. Uh, I mean, first, Elliot, the, the, got a great, he was, we had both of them in training when they were younger. We enjoyed it. Um, they both were very good players young, um, and probably, you know, maybe not quite ready to step on the field on a regular basis at 17 years old. Um, I think they both could have competed, you know, in USL at that time. Um, Elliot maybe developed a little more slowly in some ways, you know, took some time, got, took him a little bit of time at UNCC, mm-hmm. but the benefit to him of, of getting 20-something games a year uh, plus was huge. Um, and so I think that was really important. I think he matured a lot, um, both uh, individually, but, but specifically as a goalkeeper um, during that period. So I think developmentally it made a lot of sense for him. Um, and then, you know, he's obviously got drafted. He's got a good chance, first goalkeeper picked, which is tremendous. Um, now the fun part comes of, you know, doing enough to ensure your contract and, <laughs> and make stuff. it. So, um, but it, it does, it's a good example that there are different paths to get there. Um, and that sometimes it's right for one person. I think if Elliot had tried coming out two years ago, he would have, you know, likely gone undrafted and mm-hmm. it would have been uh, not as good a situation. A yeah. Things like so. that. So it sounds as if it has a lot of similarities to the NBA, where if you had early, uh, you know, early draft status or whatever, you take off early. Some guys will benefit from it. Others should stay in school and maybe work on that degree or <laughs> work on that game some more. That's correct. I mean, the the, the probable difference a little bit. Um, and the NBA seems to be moving this way as well, is, um, is uh, the end, college basketball, as college football, is, are sort of have been traditionally the developmental programs for uh, the pro leagues. So they've, they've sort of surfaced as the quite mi- yeah, quote-unquote minor leagues, mm-hmm. you know, to some degree, to a large degree. In soccer, it's really been that way maybe up to 10 years ago it was probably pretty strongly that way with college soccer and now we've sort of turned it to where the mindset is a little bit more of a traditional soccer system in which you know the uh, teams all the MLS clubs have academy programs they want to develop their own players they want to bring their own guys in um, and they want the guys in their system as young as possible um, and do the development within their own system uh, as opposed to college uh, and so forth so um, I think it's changed a little bit and and it works both from a developmental standpoint and also probably from a, a player's rights perspective um, it's just a different setup in that regard in terms of the age factor there's the ageless wonder of Jorge Herrera right. Jorge has not announced any sort of retirement and <laughs> while I know you can neither confirm nor deny whether or not he'll be returning on January 27th, whether he's out at the sports flex right now putting some work in or wherever he happens to be. What about him has made his career last so long? Now, for those who are just hearing the name Jorge Herrera for the first time, you live under a rock. And you, <laughs> he's almost 40 years old. He'll be celebrating his 40th birthday this year. From September 11th, September I think. September 11th, yeah. 40 years old, still still playing. Not, not just, you know, he comes off the bench and is an 85th minute guy or a 72nd minute guy. He puts in significant minutes. How has he done that? Uh, first of all, Jorge um, does an exceptional job um, every offseason. Uh, of taking care of himself. He does uh, an exceptional job during the season of taking care of himself. Mm -hmm. Um, He's an incredibly competitive person. 
um, in every every way. So he wants to be there. He wants to compete. Um, and I think his mentality is sort of second to second to none in terms of um, you know just coming in, enjoying what he does. Um, we have you know in, in the past few years we give him one or two days off a little bit extra things like that but he does a remarkable job of just sort of um, maintaining what what he does both off season and during the season so um, that's veteran days help veteran days help <laughs> yeah yeah and he he seems to be the goal across you know whether you're talking about USL or any league for that matter to have a career last that long to still play at that level what do you think it would take for him to retire Oh, you have to talk to Jorge about all those things. So, um, yeah, and he's another. You know, obviously played for the Eagles, now played for the Independents, mm-hmm. and just the way that the Charlotte soccer story is constructed. You talk about the '80s and the Lightning. You talk about the Eagles, obviously the Independents, and there is that other thing that has happened right down the road. And when you talk about Charlotte and MLS. That's something that we've discussed a number of times, but now it's here. It's real. It is, and it's with a different organization, but you said this is business as usual for the independents. How do things change going forward? Is there a possibility of the merger? There are many questions out there. Yeah, I get to duck and dive a lot of, to a lot of your questions dodge, today. Dodge, dodge. And it's, it's, a fa- it's, a, it's a really good question, and it's a fair one to ask, and I don't you know, have the ability to... Mm-hmm get into any detail with all these things with <laughs> with that so um unfortunately mm-hmm. uh i gotta walk away from uh, giving you anything specific um because i don't have any information mm-hmm. you know uh, clearly in that area um i do think it's exciting for charlotte to have you know major league soccer it's definitely a major league soccer city in a city that deserves to have uh, a franchise and it's obviously been uh, always a part of the the landscape and thought process with Jim uh, McPhillamy, the owner here. Um, so I, it is exciting from that end. Now you also obviously have a season that you're preparing for, and all the other things that go along with that. Uh, you haven't made the postseason in a couple of years. Two years, correct. Is that something where, not to say it keeps you up at night, but it does make you think in terms of what will it take for us to get to the postseason this time around. Yes, and it does keep me up at night. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So, now it's yeah, it's obviously at the forefront. I mean, we we want to no matter what. That's always the the first goal um, is is to get into the postseason. That we want to be you know, better than that. But that's certainly a goal of ours, and and it is very frustrating that we've uh, fallen short uh, two years in a row. Um, so I think it's very important that we. Um, have a successful year, uh, have a year in which we uh, win games, get results, and, and get into the playoffs. And speaking of that, at last season when we had owner Jim McPhillamy on the same podcast, and he said that that roster could wipe the floor with the roster from the inaugural season. Yet the current, well, last season's roster it took until Bethlehem several games in to get that first win. Mm-hmm. And McGinnis was fired with only one win. Right. Did you watch all of that and cringe a little bit thinking, dear God, what is happening to something that you built and almost kind of like you've given your baby to someone else and just like <laughs> stop, stop throwing it in the air. It's going to hit the ceiling. And then finally it does hit the ceiling. You're like, I told you it was going to hit the ceiling. Right. I shouldn't have done that. But 
did you feel like you had to come in and kind of clean up someone else's mess and sweep up the pieces? I know I'm throwing more things at you to duck and dive. <laughs> no, I mean, look, that, that's a it's a fair question. Um, and I'm, so the the one word answer is yes. Um, I think you know the roster was obviously built by both of us, but clearly you know it was with the with Jim. Yeah, I mean, so it, it was guys that he wanted and felt would be successful in his system, mm-hmm. um, which was different than you know what we what we've been built up on up to that point and, and how I set up you know how we want to play uh, under me so yeah I do think um, it was difficult it was hard for me it was not ju- not just the results um, but it was a, a style a, a, a of style play, of play that, I, that I didn't yeah that I didn't think was great and, and and wasn't what we sort of built the the reputation and the, the success on the of the club on do, do you have then to convince your players to unlearn or un or, or reteach uh, the new guys who are coming in as opposed to the same time last year? So obviously um, with the, the guys that were there, um, there's a certain transition in terms of how we you know how we wanted to play. I think we were able to achieve you know some success um, the second half of the season. Um, I mean, we did enough that, you know, at that clip we would have made the playoffs. But I also think coming in in the middle of the year, it's hard to go from uh, being just a, a really direct uh, team that, that didn't play to being a team that is going to build and, and everything else. And I don't think we got as far in success in those areas as I would have liked to. And it's hard sometimes when you don't have the, the preseason to, you know, to work on some of those things. So... Um, I think we fell short clearly um, at the end, um, but I do think that uh, you know the transition was pretty positive. The guys bought into what I wanted to do. The guys certainly worked hard and, and worked at it and, and did a good job with it. I'm going to throw out some numbers, which I am sure will be a little a little cringeworthy. But 2019, nine fourteen and eleven mm-hmm. overall record, thirty eight points. 13th in the USL Championship Eastern Conference. First time that the organization didn't have a 10-win season. So 10 wins, kind of the plateau of it yep. has to be a 10-win season. Yep. Okay. That hurts because you have to have 10 wins. If I don't think anybody with less than 10 wins made the playoffs. Well, not I don't think, I know. <laughs> um, so um, you have to have 10 wins in, in 34 games. I think that's uh, an expectation. Couple more numbers: two, six, and nine on the road, seven, eight, and two at home. Obviously, you entered into that in a bit of a hole, particularly mm-hmm. with the home stands. But two, six, and nine on the road. The team has struggled on the road, perennially, for, for the most part. What is it going to take for the light bulb to finally come on? And just, <laughs> of course, you can, you can say that it's not easy to play on the road in any sport, and it shouldn't be. But what's it going to take to make that two, five, maybe ten? I think we're going to – ten's a pretty <laughs> high number for good ones. Um, look, I think we have to change a little bit mentality-wise. I think we'll probably change um, in terms of what we try to do on the road, um, yeah, in terms of the tactics and, and how we play. Um, I, I can look at that road record and, and know it's not good enough, but also I can't – we weren't great the year before either on the road, and so I can't just say, "Oh, that was a, 
a one-off, um, so forth. So I do think it's important, um, and I, and I try to, you know, build a roster that is capable of being strong defensively on the road, and and being able to stay in games. Um, and I think uh, we didn't do enough, especially on the road in, in games. If we conceded the first goal, we had a really hard time pulling it back, um, and I think we didn't do as well either on the road because we did get the first goal in a couple of games and we should have closed those games out and we didn't do it. Um, and so those are, you know, when, when you take those things into account, then you're going to have a, a two-win road season. Um, and so we've got to be better in those areas. We've got to be better when we score first at managing the game, at just saying, look, one nothing's good enough. Let's just go home and shut things down. And so I think that's definitely a focal point for this year. Now, a key figure was no longer part of the roster last year and your center back captain defender main man who played a lion's share of minutes and ball ducket and his retirement obviously moving on to a different career path up in dc yep. but when you look at how that back line struggled you also didn't have henry kalenji in there either yeah. but do you think those two kind of set the tone and the pace and really allowed previous teams to build out of the back, or is it just a matter of it didn't matter who was back there last season, it just wasn't going to work? Last season was tricky. Um, I felt like um, we, we had a good the, – the center backs that we had in were all good players, mm-hmm. all very capable. It just uh, – um, the a dynamics of, didn't, yeah. didn't work all the time. A lot um, of pieces that just – they were great pieces individually Correct. that didn't necessarily fit together. Yep. Back the, to the, the roster that should have been better than that earlier one, but it just, no matter how the pieces were put together, they just weren't going to be a completed puzzle. Correct. When you look at this year's roster, you can't name names, you, know, you can't tell us how many people are signed, but what type of players are you looking for? Of course, outside backs who can obviously get up and down with pace. Correct. Someone like Joel Johnson, which, by the way, by the way, how is his foot? It's healed. It's healed. <laughs> Wonderful. It's healed. He was on crushes at the Memorial Correct. Groundbreaking in September. Yep. Was that September? Someplace. What, yeah, what month are we in? Are we in 2020? <laughs> is it January? Yep. How is this? Is this coffee on? Is it, no, it's but players like that, players like Austin Yearwood, who's a Charlotte kid now in New Mexico. How's Troy doing, by the way? Troy's doing wonderfully. Is he the best dress coach in USL? Are you see the kid out for that? <laughs> I certainly give him a hard time for it. Oh, um, but he he sits he, out there in that he's, New Mexico in Me- heat. Yeah, he's oh, crazy. <laughs> he's crazy, but uh, but he doesn't. He just doesn't sweat. He's cool. So good for him. Gosh, um, that. <laughs> yes, he, he, clearly the clearly the best dress coach in the league. So I'll give him that. Um, just in case uh, he listens or his wife listens. I'll tweet it out for them, too. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we want to be dynamic. We have to be a little more um, pacey, a little more athletic. Mm-hmm. Certainly, um, in my way of looking at things, I want to have outside backs that can get forward, can attack, um, and, and can join into the attack. Um, probably the other areas we'll, we'll focus on is just being a little better defense. Not a little, but being better defensively um, in all ways. I thought... Last season, we, we tended to play a little bit deeper than we have in past years. Um, and I think when we started to do that, we had some success defensively. I think it helped us stay pretty tight and pretty organized. Um, so that was a real plus as well. Now, for all the foibles of last season, there was one bright spot 
a left-footed outside back kind of bright <laughs> spot in Andrew Gutman, who people gave that poor kid such a hard time of saying he's you know, basically you know, receding hairline, so on and so <laughs> forth. But when you watch that kid play, when you looked at everything else that was happening out there and thinking, dear God, what is going on? But seeing the Herman Trophy Award winner just dominate down the flank time and time and time and again, and it didn't matter how poorly something was going, he was still exciting to watch. Yep. Was that the one bright spot of that span between March and June? He was definitely one of them. I, I thought, look, Andrew was fantastic to have in. We were fortunate to be able to get him. Um, and his mentality and everything else was really, really strong. And um, I think it was a good situation for him as well as obviously for us. Um, but I thought it was good for him to get the 14 games, develop, um, you know, get a good run. I think it was good for him to kind of get up to speed of the defending professionally, um, get up to speed. Uh, of getting the timing of runs, he's very, very effective going forward, um, and that was it was fun to see him. And um, you know, has a, a good mentality for the game, and uh, we would love to have been able to keep him for the whole year. Uh, that would have been a real plus. But uh, we're happy for him that he's able to move onward and upward. And his story of knowing that you know he was initially playing up top and he wasn't going to find any playing time during his young, younger playing days and he's still very young but his earlier playing days of saying all right then I'm going to turn myself into an outside back and I'm going to take that position own it dominate it is that a mentality that you've seen out of players that young who are just saying it doesn't matter what has to be done just tell me where I have to go make it happen some players have that um not all players I think a lot of players do and I, I think you find that you know, probably when you look at guys that play either center back or outside back, mm-hmm. quite a few times they started out up front and or started out as a central midfielder or whatever. And, you know, skill set wise or, you know, they, they weren't succeeding in one spot. So uh, I think they're a willing to, willing to do it, willing to learn um, and be you know, their skill set suits them. And, and Andrew's skill set, very, very uh, appropriate for outside back. Yeah. yeah, really good pace, and, and obviously he was technical, very technical from, um, you know, in st- starting point from playing up front a lot, but also he's just very technical, um, so it was it was a plus. For people who are just kind of yeah, on the, the outside watching, as a coach, what goes through your mind when you want to transition a player like that and say, you know, this is where you've played all your life, and A, you should be a complete player and be able to play anywhere, but B... To redevelop you, mold you into an outside back to a center back with someone, again, like Duckett. Mark Steffens took him right. with the Eagles and said, you know what? You've been playing as an outside back all your life, but you could be a premier center back in the USL. And lo and behold, Steffens was right. right. Um, I think it's seeing the qualities that you want in that position. Um, so that's that's one is, is saying that look, this is a player, you know, Bilal's case. Um, you know, if, if you're looking for a, a super athletic player that, that's got, you know, good concentration and good tuned in defensive qualities. And I think, you know, that's it. Um, it may also be that you look and you say, you know, I've, you're good right back, but I'm, you know, not the right back that I'm looking for. And that in my system, you're going to succeed mm-hmm. um, more centrally. Um, you know, I think more often than not, um, it's just saying these are the qualities that I want in my center backs or these in this position mm-hmm. and 
you have these qualities. Mm-hmm. So, A, you're going to be on the field all the time, and B, you're going to get the chance to develop and, you know, perhaps mm-hmm. extend your career or push your career in a different direction, but uh, push yourself along. Is that sort of like a different type of development as opposed to saying we're going to take that young player and turn him into this? We can also take this tech with the more experienced player, reposition him, and watch him bloom. Correct. Yeah, I think, look, there's, there's times you may do that, you know, if you stick with defenders, you know, it may be that as an outside back, the player's at a point now where he can't run up and down 90 minutes and, and you want that, but the, still a good player, a, a, technically going to be good with the, you know, good passer out of the back, etc. So going to have great qualities that you may want. Um, and then just putting him in there, I think a lot of it is actually pretty natural. Guys that are smart players can pick things up very quickly. Um, and then a lot of it is, you know, just um, giving, giving them the chance there to, to succeed and, and working with them, you know, on the details, showing them the video, uh, sitting down with them, going through it in training, uh, those types of things. So do you, when you put a team together, do you already have roles mapped out for players? Or is it more of a matter of let's see what these guys can do and then we'll map where we want them to go for the most part we have the idea of the guys I mean we have a pretty good idea of you know guys that what they can do what we want from them how we want them to play and you know they're the guys that fit into the qualities that we're looking for uh, in the off season or you know guys that we've kept on board because we felt like they would fit what we what we want so for the most part it's it's a former this is these are the this is what we're looking for these are the roles and they should fit that. Um, you know, clearly there are going to be players that, whether it's a rookie or you know somebody that's come in in preseason on trial, that you don't know as well that you have to adjust to, and you may say, I really like this player, but he's better here. Um, you know, so um, there's a little bit of that as well. When you are putting together a roster, how much does video study come into play? You talked about guys that you may not be as familiar with do you go through each of these individuals watch video on them their strengths and weaknesses and then formulate a, a plan yes okay it's extensive oh, right. i mean it's okay. the, the world is very small in our sport at this point in that it's it, well it's small in that we have access to video on pretty much everybody in the world everybody's connected it, 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 yes so in that regard it's small obviously it's huge because of the number of players etc um, that are around, a <coughs> number of agents and agencies working with them. So it's it's big in that regard, but it's small in terms of we can find out information on players. So, you know, whereas maybe uh, five or six years ago you had to take the, the word of a scout or the word of an agent or you had to have somebody, you know, over looking at the player, you know, in person um, a little more so. Nowadays you can see pretty much everything on video. So, so you're not so exposed to... T- having to take that leap of faith, hoping that this guy no. is what they say he is. Correct. Okay. No, you make decisions with information, yes. With all of this coming together, and we'll throw it out there one more time, two weeks until the start of preseason, will this be a standard Mike Jeffries team in terms of the style of play, possession-oriented, build out of the back? Yes? No? Um, maybe a few surprises going into this year? <laughs> We'd like to have a few surprises for sure. Okay. Um, but, to, you know, to a large part, I think 
I am who I am. I, this is this is, is right. This is how I coach. I think if if you went around um, USL wise, I think you'd find that you know uh, coaches that have been in the league, t- their teams tend to play in in a certain way, and in part because you start you look for guys that fit what you. What your vision of the game is. Mm-hmm. So, well, previous years, there was the partnership with Colorado Rapids, brought in guys like Dominic Baggi, yep. Marlon Harrison. Obviously, no one can forget the perennial keeper merry-go-round that was, <laughs> okay, this is the guy that's here in preseason who's Colorado sending down John yep. Burner, so on and so forth. Yep. But last year, there was a similar feel with Andrew coming from yep. Celtic. But other than that, not so much. Is there more freedom without that direct partnership with Colorado or any MLS club anymore? Um, there's pluses and minuses to both sides. Yeah, yeah yes, there's more freedom um, in that there's not the expectation of having to play certain players. Um, there, it was always nice to get players that we didn't have to pay for. True. It helps the budget. So that's always a plus. Um, in, in that regard, um, I think we will have conversations about loan players. Mm-hmm. That's ongoing. Nicky Jackson, perhaps from yep. Colorado. I don't like think it'd that. be yes, like that. Yes. So, <clears throat> and I thought Nikki was very important to us last year. So, um, we will have those discussions. We are having those discussions. Um, a lot of those won't get done until a little closer to the mm-hmm. season, as um, teams go through preseason and kind of figure out where guys stand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it does factor into it. The difference is, yes, there's expectations that those guys Certain number of minutes. play, etc., and so it can be um, constraining or, or tricky to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it, it, it has some pluses going into it in that we don't have any obligations. Mm-hmm. Guys will earn what they, you know, mm-hmm. they'll earn getting on the field. They don't have to look behind them and think, you know, somebody's coming in and is just going to be gifted playing in my spot um, but in a league that's developmental there are some guys that can certainly help us and we've had some you know some good ones Sammy Vines has obviously done really well um, you know maybe started with us young and not quite ready but you know has managed to prove himself over the course of a season what has to happen between now and the season opener against sporting yep. KC2 not to be confused yep. with sporting the the uh, alternate, <laughs> the right. MLS side of that. But what has happened between now and March 8th, and then in turn between now and March 14th when you guys open at the Sportsplex of Matthews against Pittsburgh? Um, look, we just have to finalize, obviously, things roster-wise. You have to have a good preseason in which we get on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, both uh, fitness-wise, fine. I think the guys... You know, are going to come in in good shape. The conversations I've had, mm-hmm. um, more just tactically, you know, starting to get on the same so. page, um, and how we want to play, um, and what the expectations are. And I don't think we really ever quite did that last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we progressed towards the end, but we never quite got there. And everyone looked at the preseason games <coughs> that were being played and saying, "Oh, look at look at what's happening! Look at what's happening!" And then the regular season started, and everything went to. Hades and handbasket, to put it mildly. But, of course, more things for you to duck and dive. Preseason matches. How many 
I know you can't necessarily tell me when, unless you <laughs> want to tell us the schedule and we can release it now. Don't tell James. Sorry, James. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're What's pretty up? close to having it done. Um, so we'll play um, you know, pretty much every weekend, past the first weekend. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll just train through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple of uh, midweek type games. And, so. of course, the, the, there are certain things that are expected with preseason, you know, playing rivals and not too far up the road, NCFC just kind of comes with the territory unless you can tell us that you guys aren't playing them this year. I cannot tell you we're not playing them. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, look, the, the, the biggest plus for us, I mean, everybody always asks us, well, what are you guys doing preseason? Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to be in Charlotte. We're always mm-hmm. in Charlotte. But it's it's a plus in that there's a lot of good professional teams close by. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's not, it's manageable to get good, solid games mm-hmm. without having to be somewhere else. So I think it's a real plus for us. Like New Mexico. Oh, yeah, <laughs> correct. I mean, Good old I mean, that must be fun with the hot air balloon festival in what is it, October? That would be yes. We should do some sort of team marketing with that. Troy, if you're listening, uh, I'm, I think New Mexico's <laughs> fine on the marketing end. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime, Coach, we appreciate you joining us. We could talk and talk and talk, and God knows I've talked your ear off for years, and we'll continue to talk the ear of the boss off all the way back to the office. But indeed, we, I mean, it happens. I can't help it. It's the coffee. Blame the coffee. But we appreciate you joining us. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Ashley. Of course, of course. Is it time? Yes, it is for the disclaimer. Coffee. Mm I don't know why the New Yorker always comes out with the coffee, but it's okay. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Sports Charlotte. Make sure you head over to Queen City Podcast Network where you can check out our podcast. You can check out tons of podcasts over there covering all sorts of things, whatever you're interested in. If it's not soccer, if it is there's something for you and make sure that you head over to queen city football chronicles tab on the charlottepost.com check us out every thursday in print copies are available at 5118 princess street and we actually launched a newsletter how many weeks ago two 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 weeks ago well it comes out every tuesday at 7 a.m which means tomorrow is volume three so make sure that you head over to the charlottepost.com go to site registration sign up there And until next time, Coach, thank you for joining us. Again, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Maestro. I'm Herb White. I'm Ashley Mahoney. Thanks for listening.